Welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. Today I am joined by just one other person, but it's a good one. It's Miss Philippa Watt. Hello. How are you doing, Vip? I'm good, thank you. I finished my tax return and now I feel invincible. I know, right? I did mine the week before. <laughs> it's like the hardest game in the world. I feel so smug as well because it's like, it's days before the deadline. <laughs> Whole days. I know, you give them the money, then they leave you alone. But you just have to I go know. through lots of terrifying boxes and select things you don't understand what is going on. I and... kind of don't mind. There's only a few boxes that I don't quite understand but I feel like I can take enough of an educated like I think I know what this means to pick the yes or the no so it's good it is definitely like like (laughs) lifting all of the weights off of your mind though but uh I know right I can imagine that if ever your living situation gets more complicated and you need more of the pages then suddenly that's why it starts to be terrifying but at the moment mine is just not terrifying I'm self-employed so I've done all of the all of the pages and it was uh, maddening but it was fun and uh yeah in case you're wondering this is the tax return special (laughs) of the Dark Souls podcast (laughs) no we're gonna talk about some video games you've actually just uh, budget sims yeah Oh my god, I did actually think about buying You Need a Budget on Steam. Yeah. But then I realised actually it wasn't really that useful. It was sort of more about like how to be not bad at spending your money rather yeah. than actually keeping financial documents and records, <laughs> which is weirdly what I'm more interested in. I have a spreadsheet. Yeah, I've got a spread I've got multiple spreadsheets. Honestly. I'm, I'm actually I've gone from being like I don't can't do organizational things to being like actually an incredibly well, well organized uh. person. Yeah, I kind of have to be when you're running everything on your own, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm still technically freelance, so yeah, like, I'm I'm in the same boat and so... Yeah. Spreadsheets. God, we should stop talking about this before this stops being a joke and starts becoming an actual podcast about tax returns. And possibly a self-help seminar. Yeah. <laughs> we could do We could do lectures. We could do a touring kind of seminar series that makes it's everybody fun. not afraid of their tax return. Yeah, don't be afraid. If you're only a Google away from working out... <laughs> Hell, that means or whether or not you should need to tick that box. It's fine. So basically, you'll be fine. Well done, you. Congratulations. So yeah. that's our that's our review of taxes. Um, <laughs> you just see me playing a bit of a video game, actually, though, because it, it's a video yes. game uh, which has a bit of an unreliable saving system. It just doesn't let you save. It just saves it at times. So I was getting to a point where mm. I felt like the game had gone. Okay. And that game <laughs> uh, is oxen free. Yes. Which I was like worried I was spoiling it, but luckily you've already played it and reviewed it, which means you've played it more than I have. <laughs> it's good, I isn't it? Yes. I really, really, really like it, actually. Um, and it's got a weird name. It kind of sounds like it's it going to be like a like kind of salt and fat free stock cube. <laughs> isn't it? It's, I should totally have looked this up in case it was like super relevant. But the only time I've heard anyone say oxen free was um, Macklemore. <laughs> In his song Downtown. What is it? So I don't know. Shall we Google it? Yeah. Is that a thing? Wow. Because we can do that, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we can, can, we we can, can do totally that. We can totally do that. that. I'm just amazed because I was sort of just thinking Oxen Free, weird name for a game, but I was sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but there'll come a point when obviously I'll understand, but you've obviously finished it and you still don't know why it's called Oxen Free, which is. Kind of kind of weird. Oh no, it's all oxen free reviews. <laughs> yeah, your review is top of the list. Oh. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, it's, it's at the top of Google. Okay. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Yes. Which so is it's a, a catchphrase used in such children's games as hide and seek, capture the flag. Is capture the flag a children's game? I don't, not in my mind, no. <laughs> or kick the can. Maybe to catch indicate. the flag is uh, is like an American name for a maybe something like that a we, kind of tag type thing. Maybe, maybe or... that would be yeah, that would make sense where it came oh, from. Yeah. I guess. Or maybe they they just have lots of flags over there. I've seen this on television and on movies. So it means you flags can basically everywhere. come out. So oxen free means yeah, you can come out. Oh, that's interesting, because obviously it must mean... It's weird, it must be a, a cultural thing in the like fact that... Like a safe kind of thing. If you're right. American, you probably think, hear the name Oxen Free and go, okay, I know what that is, but... Uh, but um, huh. But if you're English, you just go, what a weird name for so a So without band. losing the game, that the positions of the sides are changing, blah, 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 or that the game is over. So it's kind of, Yeah, it's a kind of like, okay, you can come out now kind of thing mm. for whatever reason. Yeah. So, huh. Game is over. That might have some relevance to the, to the game. Interesting. Okay, cool. So uh, given that I'm not entirely sure where you're up to, do you want to intro the game and then I will take my lead from you so I don't yeah. spoil things? Yeah, sure. I've you want to spoil things for anyone but um, it's um, a very kind of um, 
Well, the setup is is kind of a bit team movie ish, really, but it's mm. it's kind of a, a sweet one. I guess we talked about um, Until Dawn quite recently ish on the okay. podcast in quite a lot of detail. And Until Dawn, I really enjoyed, but Until Dawn is very much a kind of a knowing pastiche of of teen horror movies in yeah. terms of it being like properly horrory and like sexy teens and oh <laughs> it's the slutty teen that's not actually slutty she's actually a bit more and it was like playing with lots of uh, kind of well-trodden scream style film things okay. whereas Oxenfree is um it feels a little bit more genuine in some ways it feels like, mm. like it's trying to be a, a kind of a, a homage or a pastiche and more like it's actually just trying to have some nice sweet characters yeah it's really heartfelt like you're right about the beginning. So um, at the beginning, um, there's three of you on this ferry on the way to uh, Edwards Island and you're going there for like an all-night beach party, you know, drinking beer, like chatting, hanging out kind of thing. Um, and it's you, your best friend and your new stepbrother and you're going to meet up with a bunch of people. But then over the course of the beginning of the evening, you start sort of investigating this local level legend that if you start like tuning your uh, analog radio um then you know weird things will happen yeah and so then the evening deteriorates becomes weird <laughs> but um it's not been it's not in that same kind of like slasher movie terror inducing sort of otherwise i wouldn't have been able to play it you no. know that's just that's really not my and you can kind of tell right from the bat in a way it's you know again it's like i'm comparing the two weirdly because they're actually very different but they kind of take very different approaches to a similar idea of like teens and then weird stuff happening whereas <laughs> like you teens know teens when you these teenagers well, hello fellow kids hooligans uh, if you are a child listening I understand you I'm not old yet hoverboards uh, you've Tom, bought a posture chair Tom Daly <laughs> uh, you lost your rights to the youth of today when you bought that posture chair yeah I've got a, I've got a kneeling chair that you kind of wobble about in I might have to send it back because it's uh, I don't know if it's working out for me we'll find out anyway um, it's it's got this beautiful um uh, kind of painterly style in the mm. fact that it's it's very uh, kind of broad strokes in terms of how the the characters and the world are drawn and it does this thing of having 3D characters but a very basic like simple characters almost like kind of like slightly fancy versions of like little big adventure characters in the way that, like they're like very simple but it's fine because the characters on the screen are very small and they blend in nicely with the environment which are kind of all these I presume like in you know, hand painted things because it has this sort of everything has this slightly kind of hazy veneer but it's mm. it's very subtle in terms of its use of color and contrast and you often have these kind of landscapes where it's particularly at the start when you're on the boat and you know it's like the the, the subtlety between tone and color between things it's actually it's it's quite striking in a, in a vague way mm. but it does also create this lovely atmosphere and you've got this sort of slightly vangelicy kind of almost sci-fi soundtrack in the background humming along oh it's lovely Whilst, just the yeah. atmosphere that it creates is just this i think that's the thing that communicates to you that this isn't that other kind of yeah. horror game it's like it's creepy and it's unnerving but it's in the way of um when i was writing about it for rps i was saying it reminded me more of maybe a podcast like the message where it's kind of like a creepy sci-fi story uh that's being performed but you're listening to it for yeah there is the the creepy sci-fi story side of it but there's also these human relationships yeah. that are just being unpicked just by playing out in front of you all yeah. the time and so i think that's the thing that oxenfree does so beautifully is just these conversations that you have as you're scrabbling around the island and as you're sort of wandering and that, that sort of just reveal these people to you and that's the core of the game to go back to like we've done this to start with but to go back to what it kind of is uh really uh you just control well so far i can draw a character going around and Really, there's not a great deal of interactivity there. Like, there are kind of little things you can go and do and some very, very basic puzzle stuff. But mainly, it's more about just, just walking through these beautiful landscapes and these beautiful areas and uh, and listening to these conversations and the characters having conversations. And it does that thing that you get in Telltale games of getting to intervene with what you want to say. But again, like with Telltale when they're being the best, you don't have to either. It can be mm. this thing of you can interject and say, oh, stop, what are you talking about? Or... But you can just listen if you don't want to say anything. But it's nice in the fact that it does some very subtle 
storytelling stuff early on by just sort of giving you an explanation of who the characters are and the basic stuff and then it lets you decide whether or not you want to pick at that mm. and it's like you know one of the characters they've got like little past things they've got things about them that are like okay that's obviously going to be a sort of sore spot for that character but then it's up to you whether or not you want to behave uh you know in a in a careful way about that and be like well no I don't want to ask them about that because that's going to bring up some bad times mm. or whether or not you want to pick at it and find out more and that's as a weird as a game mechanic I find that quite strange because obviously really as uh, as gamers we're kind of um conditioned to almost treat story as being a, like unlocking achievements and whenever mm. somebody has some sort of sad backstory you figure that that you want to know all about it and Usually, obviously, the way games work is that you have a character who just says, oh, well, I don't want to talk about it. And then after you've done a special (laughs) mission with them, they go, now I'm going to tell you all about my sad history. (laughs) Whereas in this, it seems to give you the opportunity to really just press people about it. But it's I found myself being like, because the character is actually a really simple but good uh, real, like, great voiceover, great writing. They feel like people they with feel actual like people. relationships with each other because you actually get to, like, build that with a sense of flow, I yeah. think. And it really rewards that. And I think part of it is because it's opaque about the reactions that the other person is having to you. I think the only real... I mean, obviously, you get responses based on what you've said and, and you can see how the relationship changes more broadly. But... Um, what you have on a moment-to-moment level is the only time that you really get the feeling that uh, that something important has happened overtly is when they have, like, a picture of the person's head above theirs. Yeah, what does that mean? Like, like I think it just means that something that you've said has been meaningful to them right. somehow, and I think yeah. that can be positive or negative. I hadn't, like, unpicked it too much, but... Because I know there's, there's a variety of... I just really of, love um, that as a kind of... That's the only clue that you yeah. get beyond watching it play out at a slower level. I do enjoy the, yeah. the lo-fi... Yeah, the lo-fi kind of presentation in terms of UI and stuff, like, there isn't like anything cluttering the screen. Mm. Um, uh, sometimes it's kind of annoying. Like I, I like the fact that often your interaction with the world is things like these conversations are happening, and you always choose your conversations by you know it's kind of made it's on Xbox One as a game, so it means you're going to use like you know I've been playing it with an Xbox Pad, and it works perfectly of being like X, Y, and B on the controller or your conversation choices. But it means A is always there to select things, which means that if you're kind of not interested in the conversation, you can actually just interrupt it by just going to the next thing and just saying, mm. what's this? And in the way that people do in conversations. And what's funny, I noticed, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but sometimes if somebody's saying something that is important, then you go, oh, what's this? And they go, oh, it's this. And then after you've resolved that, like, what am I looking at now? Mm. Or what's this about? Um, they'll then go, but anyway, and they'll start saying yeah. what they were saying again. Sometimes whereas sometimes they, they don't. That's that's the one thing that did annoy me about the conversation system is at some points in the game, if you trigger a bit of um, necessary plot dialogue, but you're also responding to something else or like talking about something else in the environment, yeah. then those two lines will happen over each other. Oh, really? And so that was annoying me, but that only really happened sort of towards the end where things were a bit more bunched up. Up, you know yeah. whereas where at the point that you are things are a bit more you know you're you're going between places that's, I mean that's so to space. be honest the one the one thing I've found about it so far which feels like a just not it's not bad but maybe a slight weakness in the design is the fact that really what the game is about is about you wandering around with these teens listening to these conversations sometimes being a part of these conversations and choosing where the conversations are steered but also choosing sometimes where the action is steered in terms mm. of like are we leaving this place or are we staying here um but at the same time, I often find that these in, these conversations are good, but then I'm just walking through, walking down the path, listening to them talking, and I get to the end of the path, and they're still talking. <laughs> and I know that if I go to the next area, it will end this conversation. But then you have this awkward thing of everyone just hanging around, waiting okay. for a conversation to end, and I'm like, this I think I stopped feel quite natural. a lot, because I really like looking at the landscapes and stuff. Yeah. And so that only happened to me maybe twice across the whole game. And so, yeah, I think, like... But I was also in the the mindset where I was approaching it like a radio play. So I think there was a lot of me taking yeah. my hands off the keys and just listening. And Yeah, no, and I think actually, like, uh, yeah, that's probably how I'll approach it. I think it was more today that it was like, I, really, I haven't really played much in the past week. <laughs> oh, okay, and I thought, yeah. I should play some like, of this. To, sorry. Oh, podcast evening. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, I should play something. So maybe I was slightly more harried than I usually would be. But uh, mm. no, it's it's weirdly um, gentle and touching and, and nice. And especially with the music, as I say, it's kind of a bit sci-fi evangelicy, a bit kind of eerie. Mm. Um, but 
but often, I mean, I'm only in the early stages. I'm sure things will get a bit creepier as it goes on, but often, like, it's surprisingly creepy when it wants to be. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, in between, it's, like, nice. (laughs) It's like, it doesn't kind of have this thing of being, like, Oh, you're having a nice time. Now the weird things happened. So now this game is just going to be ratcheting dread. It feels like yeah. it, it's totally not worried about being like, all right, we've been a bit creepy, but now we're going to go back to being quite gentle and nice again. Yeah. Um, but it really creeped me out, the creepy stuff. Yeah. Like right There's f- a couple of yeah moments that I was like... <laughs> well, right, just right from the start, when I first started doing it, I was like, this is really clever use of aesthetics mm. like to make me feel mm. uneasy. I really like, and I don't think this is spoilers simply because it's how the game comes about. You know, the the idea that you start playing with these radio waves to sort of trigger the the start of the game, really. Um, and so radio plays a part in the game and, and also sort of glitchy kind of effects. And those were amazing. Yeah. I have so many screenshots of just the, the glitching that the game does just because I think I'm just going to do a Pinterest of it because that's apparently what I do now, but it's just so gorgeous. I yeah. think the, the, the way it manifests on the screen. And, and I think that that's a, a way of injecting a kind of a tactile element somehow because it's so sort of crunchy when something glitches out and I know what you mean yeah I, I think, think that's otherwise really, um, it would be quite um not it, it would verge on twee I think yeah no you're right and and I think that, I mean that's stops that dead <laughs> I think that's what's impressed me most about the kind of weird stuff is the fact that it does this thing of being like because the standard aesthetic of the game is quite vague quite hazy quite um low contrast and low tonal difference in many ways um, it's more like kind of a feel of a place you know it doesn't it's very sparing with uh, with contrast and with color but then when these sort of glitchy things happen suddenly you yeah you do get these elements of sharpness these elements of bright colors yeah. and these elements of definition which just don't exist in the world and it's a really nice way of uh, of like accentuating it and making it feel like what's going on like and shocking you out of it of suddenly having these moments of clarity both in terms of actually the the visuals and the audio I've noticed because the audio is all quite like vague and dreamy and suddenly it's like (laughs) and even even actually weirdly um, I never thought I'd be praising a game for the use of this uh, after so many years of it existing but uh I've been playing with a controller and the use of controller rumble is fantastic. And the <laughs> fact that it only actually makes the controller rumble at the point at which you're tuning your radio in mm. to something creepy. Because obviously, you know, it's kind of a mild spoiler, but you've probably worked it out already that really the, a lot of the mechanic in the game of, of when you uncover these creepy things is you have to get your radio out and you tune to a frequency and then things kind of start happening. Mm. And there's something about that, the fact that it's not just something that's happening when you go to a certain point, it's the fact that you're doing it. There's some added element of dread as you kind mm. of as the crunching sound gets louder you know that you're tuning into something weird and you don't know what it is <laughs> and I'm always like oh, I don't do this um, but yeah I mean I'm a big I'm, I'm a big um, softy really with this sort of thing I get easily freaked out <laughs> yeah I mean I can't review horror games and Adam knows this and like I'm so glad that I hadn't read the Steam description because it does just sort of say, oh, you know, horror, I think. I think it mentions horror and I think I would have been like, Adam, are you sure? <laughs> like, seriously, I'm not good. You know, like, I can't play Five Nights at Freddy's. There's, like, a video of me trying on, like, no one YouTube likes or something. No one likes and it's like... Oh, but no, so you've deal. played more of it, so, um, like... You, you, you obviously reviewed it, so you must <laughs> recommend it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I really do. Those things that we've talked about just carry through for the rest of the game, and like the strength is definitely the um, the the relationship building and the conversational yeah. side of things. That doesn't mean like that the story and the way that resolves is unsatisfactory at all. It's more that like relative strength yeah. is, I would say, the. Well, the I've heard there's there's a lot things. of different uh, like endings and stuff. I think so. I'd really like to replay it. And I just need to sort of like work out the timings for that, like just in terms of work. But um, I have that weird feeling of that I was playing as me, not as the protagonist Alex in it. And I want to go through and play in a way that feels true (laughs) to her now. Yeah, but it's it's, it's tough because she's... um... 
not a blank slate by any mm. means. You're given a background, but at the same time, it, it does kind of give you a lot of options. I mean, it's like, this is like something within the first 20 minutes. So it's not really a spoiler, but, um, you know, early on, like this guy's like, oh yeah, I really like this girl. So, you know, just try and be cool. Like, don't, you know, just be nice sort of thing. And then yeah. you turn up and like, I think it's like one of the girls who's, I think the friend of the girl he fancies is just like a total dick. And it's this thing of like, you know, this yeah. guy seems like, you've only met him for about 10 minutes in the game. But yeah. You know that he's your friend and he asked you to be cool. But then it's this thing of like, how, how much are you going to bite your tongue? You get to the <laughs> point where you just, you just kind of want to go, no, fuck you. Like, and you, yeah. it kind of plays within that way of being like, are you going to keep being polite to this person? But I like that it actually does also like it, it, it um, it humanizes them much more quickly. There's a there's a tendency in, um, I mean, the Walking Dead games are kind of famous for, it, for being like you know like, you know, it's kind of a mild spoiler for the first series of the Walking Dead uh, games. But it's that thing of being like, oh, this guy's a dick, isn't it? This guy's a dick. This guy's a dick. He's racist as well. Oh, he's racist and he's a dick. Yeah, but he really loved his wife and she died, <laughs> and he's never been the same since. And it, it kind of it kind of uses that as a as an emotional kind of uh, uh, seesaw. They tried to do that in Holby City last week. Really? Well, kind of, yeah. Like, um, there's this guy called Guy Self who's, like, one of the resident narcissists and he was trying to take over the hospital. And then, like, they had, like, this concept episode where um they spent a lot of time like as if they were making a documentary like within the show about him and his like putative like neurosurgery lab that he wants funding for and stuff like that and the operations that he's doing but a lot of it was like focused on this lady who works at the coffee shop and like what she sees in him because she's like the one who thinks that he's a real life human being rather than the narcissist who's trying to take over the hospital because he's a narcissist and so there's a lot about like I mean it comes up again and again in the show anyway but like about his wife and how he still loves her even though she died and you know all of this stuff and so it's kind of like we will humanise him so that you may be care about yeah. the decision about whether he tries to stage a coup. Yeah, <laughs> but it's the thing is, it's interesting when you do this as well. Like I think um, it, it was very effective in The Walking Dead, where they kind of make you get this character's awful and he's awful, he's awful, and then they go, mm, "We're going to humanise him now," mm. and then just make you feel retrospectively bad for a history that you have of, of disliking this person and maybe making choices that didn't benefit that person mm. uh, and just playing with your emotions there so that was it was very effective in in the walking dead because really you know that was a, a game which in many regards was was about human guilt and about guilting you and making you think oh you should have done that didn't you <laughs> but you did and everyone remembers it and you're gonna have to just keep playing this game knowing that you did that mm. uh, whereas in Oxenfree, it's quite nice that early on it's like this character is a dick but here's why she might be a dick yeah. and it's like you kind of go Oh, but then it actually in a way makes the decisions more difficult because then you're like, well, should I like try and be nice to them? Because I you're like, well, on the, the one thing. hand, they're a dick, but on the other hand... Because uh... I was sort of approaching it with that outsider, I'm the, I guess, the godlike sort of controller of this thing and I'm sort of able to take that, like the broader view and sort of say, well, I'm going to try and be understanding a lot of the time because, you know, I've sort of found out all of this other thing. But I, I that's why I kind of feel like I'd like to go back and play it more as how I think that she would have been. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I, I think I'm already that, quite into the character actually, even yeah. though I don't know much about her. It's like Like I really, really like her actually. And yeah, I just like I think I just want to sort of play the story again and just, you know, do right by her in that way. It yeah. Sounds so weird. No, it's it's <laughs> it's a really good character piece. It is it's like it's kind of that, that teenager thing, but it's the script isn't isn't cringeworthy and it's um it's got some fun, interesting relations and and yeah, it's just a bit of a joy to walk through. And I find actually this kind of game, this sort of a more gentle game, is uh, increasingly finds a finds a lot of time in my in my heart and in my in my life I think it's nice mm-hmm. to have I mean I'm, I'm still into my kind of like more intense experiences but uh, yeah. it's really nice to have something like this especially when basically as you say it is the best way to describe it is um, it's like it's like a radio drama yeah uh, but you do actually have a bit of a uh, say and how it goes. <laughs> uh, it's not like an arduous time commitment either. It's like a no. an, an evening's work, like a full evening, but an evening. Yeah, it's like four or five hours right here. Yeah, yeah. And but then obviously there is the the replay value if you want to go back and do it again, do it differently. And as I say, you know, mm. I've done that, so we don't know how much it varies. But I'm interested because there's like one point <laughs> where like I decided to do something and then something happened, and I'm like, well, what would have happened if I'd done the mm. other thing? Like obviously that's what happens with choice based games, but it's whether or not there are actually kind of 
I think this time there's a lure to me to actually go back rather than to just look up replays on YouTube, you know? Yeah, but weirdly, it's weird you say that though in a way, isn't it? Because of the fact that, as you say, it is kind of like a... Uh a uh, like a radio drama so watching mm. something on YouTube obviously you'd have to find one without any bloody any <laughs> any dickhead talking over it uh, obviously no commentary because that I can't imagine anything worse it's weird I think I went in too far into radio drama world with it at first because I was playing mouse and keyboard and so obviously you need both of your hands and I uh, I kept being really resentful of that because I was like but I just want to enjoy this and have my cup of tea like yeah, yeah. it felt like I should be entitled somehow to sit back and like have my have my hot drink I get that <laughs> I really like those boundaries it's why I really enjoyed in The Witcher 2 being able to choose to switch off the QTE bits because it's mm. like in my mind like QTE was fine in like Resi where mm. like you know Resi did have cutscenes but really the whole time you were playing that game you were leaning forward you were grabbing your control I mean Resi 4 obviously but um, you know you were really you were, you were in it because it was an intense game but when you're mm. playing something else like story based and when it starts doing a cutscene there is something nice about being able to put your control to one side and pick up your mug of tea and watch yeah. and just be like have that kind of balance of being like I'm playing an interactive game but then it's nice sometimes to have it moments where it's not interactive and it becomes like a mini TV thing for five minutes or two minutes or however long. And when they start doing this thing of you watching something and then suddenly you go, oh God, and you have to like... Oh no, it needs a reaction. Wrestle a cup of tea with a thing and then you've been eaten by a dragon. You just go, I'm not having fun with this. Like, But the idea of... Because it's also, it creates a bad mentality if you're just trying to watch something and engage with the story, but you're also there like ready yeah to leap it's like that's not natural I think that kind of then encourages you to just be like idly pressing A or whatever and then you accidentally skip a thing and then you're like oh dear it just gets you edgy doesn't it it gets you edgy <laughs> and it's funny how much I've been enjoying it much more like well, I enjoy The Witcher 2 more with it off and how much I've actually really been enjoying playing The Witcher 3 still I'm still getting into it of being like oh great this is going to be a bit where there's just a bunch of story and yeah. I've enjoyed just being like I'm going to now kind of put the control to one side and just occasionally go through the menu to select a new question. And I'm going to spend five minutes just listening to this person talking about the world and what's going on. You're going to love movies. <laughs> what? what are movies? We're getting Netflix. Are they like fine. tax returns? <laughs> Maybe even better. What? Maybe there's a movie about a tax return. The tax return. That's a romantic comedy. The tax that... collector. Yeah. There must be a movie called that. There must be. There must be. It's but he probably, probably collects bones film. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably like, something weird, isn't it? He's got like a tax on like, I don't know. Yeah, like human, I I don't know, souls. Is that a thing? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But yeah, Oxenfree, if you're a fan of like kind of slightly creepy-ish teen drama or just anything that's nice and atmospheric and not it's too intense. It's the Life is Strange void. Yeah, you see, I thought bit. people might say that. Yeah. I haven't. I still haven't played Life is Strange. Um, but because, uh, yeah, Oxenfree... Popped up and was shorter. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, yeah. yeah, that one, that one, please. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what else have you been playing recently? Um, ooh, I have started to get back into regular Dota, if you'd like to talk about that. Or we can talk about the preview segment of the ABC Murders, uh, which is a Poirot pointing click. I'm kind of interested in, <laughs> in the, this second part just because. <laughs> You said it while sort of laughing, which which makes me think that just, it's going to be more like entertaining. It's the most me thing that's probably ever. Well, I don't know about that because I know a lot of people have really got into um, the um, Sherlock Holmes games, which came out recently, mm. which I kind of shrugged off because I saw lots of people on Twitter posting screenshots of them, and they were always funny screenshots of being like, "Look at this dead man's bum and stuff," and I just assumed that it was like a joke, and that's they just were like, "Twitter, though, isn't yeah, it?" I know it. Is. So I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, well, obviously they're absolute shit games, but people have got them as a joke and they're playing them. But actually, more and more, I'm realising that actually there's a lot of sincerity and a lot of people actually, even though these 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 kind of Sherlock Holmes games, I can't remember what it's called, uh, Crime and Punishment or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of them. People say that they, they know they're it's kind of rubbish. Worse, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. People say that, like, I know it's kind of rubbish, but I, they really sincerely like them. So I think I've actually... i one on my computer, actually. I should, yeah. I should play this. I should. I mean, I've been trying to get, <laughs> meaning to get into Euro Truck Simulator 2. It's pretty similar. Oh, no, I can't deal with uh, Euro Truck Simulator, but it's because I drive, and so it really freaks me out that I'm not actually having to turn my head to look in a mirror, and then we get into the realms of how much of a truck cab do I 
build in my bedroom and then <laughs> VR yeah it's all about VR yeah I actually would like to play that with VR I don't yeah, know why yeah um, Andy Kelly from PC Gamer was telling me that yeah. it's amazing with an Oculus Rift yeah that's the so. thing and I mean also like, I tried to play some Elite and it, flying a spaceship mm. is just way above my level so I think I, <laughs> driving a truck is probably like more on par with what I'm kind of capable as a, hu- as yeah. a human I think I just want to go on a road trip mm. yeah I should probably actually learn to drive that's the thing <laughs> Or learn to fly It'll fish. ruin Euro Truck Simulator for you, I'll tell you that But much. ABC Murders with Poirot, is yeah. it? What's it like being so, Poirot? Are you actually Poirot? Oh, so this is the thing. I think I sort of maybe disappeared into my own little private, like, Poirot dome for a while because I don't really think you play as Poirot, but you, the game tells you that you do and you wander around as a Belgian detective. So, yes, you do play Does as Does it Poirot. look like the actor? It's, um, it, it, oh, it looks like if the base like model the actor, of Poirot, if you see what I mean. It doesn't look like exactly like David Suchet, but, it, Suchet but they have done things, like they've taken from the ITV series in that they've used the same... Uh, set of flats that you, that's actually in East London by Barbican um, as his, like, a, a, as the visual in the game for his huh. flats. And I was like, wait, what? Like, that that just sort of struck me as a bit weird. And, like, um, the, um, the guy that you see at the typewriter at first, like, I think that that's based on the, the visual... For, I'd need to dig out my DVDs and stuff. So they do take visual signifiers from the ITV series, which is so they amazing. Couldn't, they couldn't get the face rights for Suchet. <laughs> I think they could get Suchet, but um, uh, well, I, don't, they could... I don't know how savvy Suchet is with. Uh... He's on Twitter. He tweets. Yeah, I tweet at him every now and again. <laughs> Does he reply? Tweet at him. Tweet at Paul Denham. It's all going on. All going on. <laughs> That's a hell of a combination. I'm just imagining you now having dinner with with Paul Denham and the, um, yeah. I'd somehow crash that edition of Celebrity Come Dine with. Me. I was just thinking that's like the weirdest episode of Celebrity Love Island. There, you know. Ever. <laughs> Anyway, but um, so there are like trappings that you would uh, recognise if you're into those adaptations and you are playing through the case that is presented to you in the books. The thing that I was sort of interested in, sort of possibly on a ridiculously have overthought this level, is that the work that you do as Poirot in the game mm-hmm. is that you uh, you're doing things like you're trying to work out how the first person died and you're trying to work out the window that that could have happened in so sure. basically the the basic time of death and stuff and i decided to reread the books while i was doing all of this, uh, you know, just playing through and trying to sort of see what it was that was leaving me unsatisfied. And I realised that in the books, the police have done all of that stuff before Poirot turns up and Poirot does all these, like, clever little things around the, the side. He doesn't do the body work. No, like, no. he doesn't do the basic police work. Like, the police are kind of, they're unimaginative, but they're competent, you know? And yeah. so he shows up and they're like, okay, well, this happened and I think it was between this time because these people arrived and blah, blah, blah. And but you do that for yourself in the game, whereas Poirot's like off doing all these other things, Sushi pretending to be other people. Shit. You know, come on. <laughs> and so that was a thing for me. It was like he's out. He's out about being canny. And like. <laughs> So, and I get why they did it that way because that stuff is so much easier to do as a point and click kind of right. procedural. Yeah. But it's, that's the thing is like Poirot isn't the procedural guy. He's like no. the guy that you call in when that stuff isn't working because he thinks round corners. But like, how do you simulate that in a point and click fashion? How do you do it as well? How do you make people think around corners? Because the problem is, how do you do that without actually doing it? Because I mean. his whole thing is about like being a great observer of human nature and being able to sort of unpick that and really sort of get to the root of people's motives and things yeah. like that and like picking up like little clues and stuff but he's he's actually really amazing with manipulating people and like and and that Again, side is yeah like how do you 
represent that in a game and so you spend a lot of the time just sort of you know like you'll examine a, a, a bit of the scene for clues but that's you know you move your mouse around and it zeroes in on particular things when you hover over it for a period of time and then right. and then the game like tells you the clues and then you can like um put them together in your like there's a little gray cells menu yeah <laughs> um, and so you can like piece them together and stuff and there's a logic to it and that can be pleasing um i didn't find any puzzles that like were challenging like there's a few things in that like this is obviously only the preview build I should totally like stress that like things might change you know all of that stuff but like there were a few things where you were trying to maybe open a puzzle box or something like that yeah and, and it was like I just moved the things that were available to move and then I opened it and it's like Right, okay. It's, it's so it's like, yeah. it kind of felt like it wanted to tell me the story. And so I, was, I wasn't I was averse to not being stuck because, like, if you're playing as Poro, you wouldn't be stuck on these things as well. Yeah. Like, so it's, I, I think that, I wonder if it's an impossible task to do the Poro thing. I think it might be. In a game to a satisfactory degree especially, with what we have at the moment. Yeah, especially because, as you say, Poirot is a much more human detective than say Sherlock you yeah. know, Sherlock is like a machine yeah, and he just notices all the detail and adds things together through deduction and is the sort of person that now if you met him on the internet you'd be like this guy's a fucking tool um, but Poirot is a human or via iPlayer yeah <laughs> it's like Poirot is like you know he is he is as you say he's very good at like kind of getting on people at, getting under people's skin and also getting on people's good side yeah. and manipulating people into giving them the information he needs he's a people person he's got mm. an amazing moustache <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think it is actually as a, as a choice of, of target to try and emulate, very difficult. But even Sherlock, I think that like, you know, in the TV show, they kind of simulate this idea of him being super observant by just having all this text popping up everywhere and him mm. zoning in on stuff and immediately getting the backstory. I think if you slowed that process down, you could probably make an interesting game out of it of being like, oh, what's that? It's this. Yeah. Why is that relevant? And then actually like allowing you to like go through the mental processes of thinking, what does that tell about the person? What can we piece this together? And then having yeah. that satisfying payoff. But it's interesting actually, because I've been playing recently, I've only played a case of it, but a, a board game, which we talked about oh, on Shut Up and Sit Down. Yeah, was it Consulting Detective? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's not even a board game, actually. It's just like a book. And... Yeah, a book that you consult at various points and then you're like, oh, okay, that's how yeah. I think it pieces together, What's I guess. What's lovely about that, though, is <laughs> you are, awesome. you're a detective. You've got to try and solve the yeah. crime. And then afterwards, Sherlock has mm. writing where Sherlock tells you what happened and then yeah. it tells you how Sherlock worked it out. And it's basically the whole process is like, you're not Sherlock. Yeah, like, Sherlock always gets it like really quickly, and then he makes you look like an idiot. But the thing that's kind the, of fun. The thing with the books in both of those cases is um, Poirot's stories are told by Captain Hastings, and um, Sherlock's stories are told by Watson, mm. and they're both kind of stand-ins for you because otherwise, like, why would the explanation be necessary? Like, they talk you through the whole thing, and and so I get that, like, you would be doing like the detective work or needing to be led through it or needing to actually like properly work at this stuff if you were one of those. And so I kind of wonder whether if the game was located on a different character in sort of Poirot or Holmes or whoever was sort of more just in your orbit. Yeah, with with Holmes it works. Yeah. Because you can be Watson because he's there. Yeah. And Sherlock can go, well, of course I've worked it out. But how about you work it out, Watson? Yeah. Whereas like if Poirot started just telling like the captain... Why don't you become a crime investigator? <laughs> Sometimes like, he tries. What? Like, he tries to, like, coax Hastings through the thing, but in the books, he generally, like, gives up. He's just like, oh, for God's sake, Hastings. Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And, like, because, like, in at the beginning of that book, like, the actual book, um, there's a point where I think Hastings is utterly confounded by the fact that Poirot's hair does seems to have got less grey since he went away. And it's like, yeah, I'm dying it. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> And like, Not the sharpest uh, tool in the box. <laughs> he's just really straightforward. Like he, I think he that goes under the same box of lies, you know. It's like, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you're lying with your hair. <laughs> and so, but the book also has like this glorious, like kind of touching um, acknowledgement of everyone getting older as well. Like Poirot's older, and um, Hastings has been away in South America because he moved there on a ranch with his wife. Don't yeah. it's, I know too much, but um, and. So he's come back to sort of work with 
Poirot and sort of visit and all of that stuff, I think. And um, and so it's it's them seeing each other and noticing the signs of ageing and, and the same with Inspector Jap and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. like, there's just lots of little touching bits. There's lots of, like, funny things. Like, it's like, I thought you were retired. And he was like, well, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like when an opera singer says, yeah, I'm done, and then, like, keeps coming back for, like, one last performance. Yeah. It just sounded like they've bitten off a tough challenge there. And just probably just because Poirot is a big name yeah. but it's funny how like I'm, I'm, I'm actually really pleased to see that there are more devs now trying to tackle that mm. that fascinating niche of, of almost like daytime crime drama yeah uh, because I think that is oh, going to be huge oh wouldn't you just love like a murder she wrote like I'm thinking personally episodic I'm thinking, thing or I'm thinking diagnosis I'm thinking, uh, murder I'm thinking Midsummer Murders no no because my plan for <laughs> Midsummer Murders is that it gets an MMO <laughs> <laughs> Massively Midsummer is what it's going to be called. I am actually like increasingly obsessed with Midsummer Murders just because my mum is so good, and my mum's obsessed with it in a really fascinating way, and and she knows so much about it. And I'm just like, I'm like, well, it's all people getting killed in one place, right, all the time. Like, it's one little town is full of. It's a county. It's a a whole county. No, it's a county. There's all these places. And I'm like, well, surely, like... And she's like, no, they must have a map of it somewhere because sometimes they go back to count. Yeah, like, you can do a tour. Like, I think in Oxfordshire, there's, like, a tour, a midsummer tour. Yeah, but they have, like, recurrent characters because they like, mm. haven't been to this town for a while and they go there and it's, like, the landlord's oh, yeah. still the same. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, they've, they've actually... Um, but I mean, really, in in terms of narrative design, it's it's dreadful. Um, <laughs> just because uh, the, the amazing thing is, my mum loves it because she says it's tonally consistent, which means there's no one, never anyone really shouting very loudly. So you can basically start watching an episode, see the premise of the episode, yeah. and then you can fall asleep for forty minutes, <laughs> and then you can wake up for the last ten minutes, and the crime will be resolved. And none of the information in the middle, none of the conversations <laughs> or interviews or or red herring, it all yeah, red herring. Like- you don't have to deal with the red herring because you're you just, just like seriously we're you, just we're beyond that you literally fine. just watch the intro <laughs> and the bit where they talk to some of the characters and then the last bit and you, the bit in the middle is, is actually like you can be unconscious for it and it's fine yeah uh, which I think is is weirdly like yeah like there's a lot of uh, they need to do that in video games especially have video games where if there is a filler section you can fall asleep physically yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> I think the thing with um, the ABC murder is that I'm wondering whether I'm the best person to talk about it. Like, in some ways, I am the best person to talk about it. But, like, I'm not sure that other people would have that same kind of, like, level of being bothered about, like, the essence of Poirot. I don't know. I don't don't know. I think people who are into that sort of thing are into it. And I think that's... uh, That's fair. But it's funny. I think think it's a niche which is not being covered well. And I think especially once, you know, like, current, like... Uh, things like iPads and stuff all getting quite technologically <laughs> yeah. decent now I think there's a killing to be made in somebody making like a fantastic oh, daytime sure. murder simulator yeah like I think the one thing that I would say like is that even though I found it quite straightforward like to the point of like it didn't really offer me like it, it says on the website like that it will offer you a challenge basically and I think if I'd bought it on that basis from what I've played I would be a bit disappointed but like Somebody in the comments was saying, but what about, you know, like, because they know the plot. Like, if you've seen the TV series. I was say, and, if it's actually. And it's the a same really stories. memorable plot. And, like, I'm horrible at remembering things, so I'm fine. That's why I can watch murder mysteries again and again, because I forget what happens. <laughs> and I'm like, how does this end? I don't know. When are they going like, to find the wolf on the moors? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, these people in the comments were, and rightly so, saying, this is such a memorable plot. Like, is it going to be fun for me to sort of solve? And I'm like, well, I think it's elegant enough, like, the, the plot itself, that it will elevate the game, whatever the game does. Yeah. Like, whether it's better than what I've played, whether it's worse than what I've played, whether it's the same as what I've played, like, the plot will always be there because it's amazing. It's well-crafted. It's a beautiful thing. And, like, but if you know it and you're not like me and have, like, a memory of yeah. like, absolutely no retaining power whatsoever then yeah like i'm not sure well you yeah yeah i I kind of (laughs) read the book i'm kind of quietly hoping that in the future you'll be able to come back on here having played some of the short term games and the poirot games Mm. and come and give the definitive answer on which uh which period detective games are the best ones i think it'd be a great niche to be an expert (laughs) in forget about uh forget about yeah uh point and click mobies 
The Mobies. The Mobies. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Dota, but I just end up talking about Dota forever. No, um, it's fine. I, I would say that the Midsummer Murders MMO was a serious suggestion, and I do think someone should make that. <laughs> that'd be amazing. Yeah. Like, you'd have to, like, level up so you could murder someone. Or, like, like something like Witcher 3 kind of scale of, like, you know, uh, uh, where you just sort of have all of these crimes that have happened across the land, and you have to But go. instead of, like, finding, like, in unseen blood marks from yeah. six years ago you just find like the divorce papers <laughs> their marriage isn't going well <laughs> or like the will or something that was recently changed you know actually or... it would be fucking impossible in a game because something like Midsummer Murders is so bloody vague and you get this thing where you think any of these eight people could be the murderer yeah. but then all it comes down to is like usually gut instinct and that's one thing that video games don't do well yeah. I mean do you remember like obviously like L.A. Noir, that thing of being yeah, like yeah. somebody saying something that seemed relatively convincing and then just immediately looking around the room as if like they just murdered a dog and left it on the floor I know, in front right? of you and hoping that you're not going to see the dog literally in front of your face it was like the worst acting it was like looking up the, the Google definition of, of shifty the tech, the tech <laughs> for that game was amazing me. but whoever was directing those actors needed to be fired yeah. like immediately like, I, because whoever looked at that and went, that was a great take for you looking vaguely suspicious. Like, I don't know, maybe fuck? we should have taken it as like an insult. Like, it's kind of like, well, these people don't understand subtlety. <laughs> Give it to them like full on in the but face. Maybe it was, I don't know. But what was sad about <laughs> it is it was like they had good actors doing that. Mm. Those actors did not do that. Somebody directed them. No, you need to look yeah. more suspicious. And it was the fidelity of it was amazing. So they could have got away with being like way more subtle I think to actually if it, if they used crap yeah. actors I would have forgiven it but they used great actors yeah what the fuck we should like video games should take a cue from those like um, those what are they called the fake patients you know the, that teach doctors empathy like really yeah it's like sort of patients that you have come in and you sort of coach them what their symptoms should be and like what their situation is their background and stuff Mm. like that there was an article in the Atlantic about it last year I think and um, that one was like focused on empathy building between doctors and patients so you'd have people where you thought maybe there was a domestic abuse element or there was like all of this other stuff and it was like about sort of listening and sort of you know responding in a way that meant the patient would hear you rather than just giving them the information and then leaving it's and some like, doctors can be super cold as well like I mean we had yeah. experience last year my my other half was always something quite rare and it meant that yeah. like uh, she had lots of people come and see her and occasionally it was this weird thing of being like you could tell it was almost like people just wanted to meet you because meet her because she was a statistical like celebrity yeah. of being like they were just like oh you're th-, and they were talking to her uh, like I said, oh yeah, what you've got is really fascinating, and talking about it as if they were like a record collector. Yeah. That, and it was this weird thing of being like, it was fine, but it was weird. It was kind of like, oh man, like you don't talk to patients very often, do you? Oh, so it, like I think it's like yeah, they're almost they're... excited about what you've got. You're like, well, we're not that hot for it, really. No, but, uh, I'm glad that you're. Yeah, you're excited. well, one of us is getting something out of this, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I think there was um, I was googling about it afterwards, and there are things you know in the UK where I think it I think that the the specific super sort of focusing on the empathy thing maybe is a result of a particular program or a particular doctor but there's you know there are programs like that in the UK like I think there was a hospital in Scotland that was just mm. advertising for you know do you have time to come in and like spend some time with these doctors we'll coach you and what to say and sure. like what your symptoms should be and that's how they learn how to do the interaction that is yeah. required to get the information and I think weirdly I think there's a there's actually uh, to, to bring it back there's a, there's a kind of actually more substantial crossover than people might think between doctors and, and uh, game designers in terms of empathy uh, and in mm. terms of actually having that thing of sometimes people are too close to it and they're too close to the the more detailed picture or the bigger picture sometimes and, and they forget about the human element I was thinking about this the other day actually I've been playing a few games which are kind of like video games which are trying to be a bit like board games I've been trying to get um, oh yeah is it Theseus to run on my PC it mm. won't open it's, yeah. it's buggy as hell but anyway um, I, I find it interesting playing things like uh, Armello for example which tries to be like a kind of digital board game mm. and there's lots of things to challenge lots of challenges there like making dice rolling and card picking feel tangible and nice and I think yeah. those things haven't really been mastered by many things yet hopefully we'll see more people realising actually you know what the way dice bounce and roll and fall is important and the way yeah. it, it feels to draw a card 
is important. I think Hearthstone's probably really good at that. It's nice yeah. to have a good game, but bloody hell, it feels tactile and cool. It really does, actually, especially on um, on tablet yeah, as well. Like that's proper and, kind yeah. of okay. This is my play space. I'm actually holding it. Yep. I'm moving the cards with my hands. You know, it's, yeah. It's I guess only a, a sort of a conceptual step away from yeah. <laughs> and a lot of that just comes down to the very specifics of of aesthetics yeah. and and kind of a physical feedback. But but um something I think about a lot is, you know, how poorly um, games manage to convey opponents as opponents. Yeah. And I think As opponents or as real people? Well, I think it's tricky, actually. I think about this and I think actually, like, uh, when I was playing Armelo, it had similar problems to, uh, to, I don't know, it just felt like in that there wasn't really any conversation at all. And you were expected to treat these people as being opponents, but really they were just things to get in your way. They were as, as relevant as say creatures in the wild that might attack you you were just like you kind of ignored them and you had the opportunity to maybe concentrate on what they were doing but why would you yeah. that's what it comes down to is when you've got an equal AI opponent uh, often games kind of give them the same sets of powers and the same options as you but then you're like well why would I bother <laughs> actually thinking about what they're doing and that comes down to two things I guess it comes down to you having a distrust in how good the AI actually is and the belief that they might actually be worth trying to follow mm. but also like just communication I mean I remember and Civ, for example, like the classic thing of being like, you know, basically you get Gandhi being like, oh, hello, you're beautiful. Will you give me the technology for the Great Wall? <laughs> and you go, no. And then he goes, and I will crush you. <laughs> and that's kind of it. Um, and I yeah. think like the amount of games I've played since where you have these AI opponents, I just think that um, it's difficult with that because obviously with, with that, it is trying to emulate leaders. Um, but I think in a way there's there's not that much of a difference between um, diplomacy in games like that in 4X games like that and diplomacy in board games mm. and I just think having a bit of writing with a bit of empathy simple things of that you know being yeah. like I'd like you to move away from my borders please Yeah. and then if you say no then they go alright well just bear in mind that if you do hang around there then you know, something might happen. Yeah. Or actually being able to have that thing of it escalating, of being yeah. like, then being like, having people going from being like, seriously, don't do that. And then you're doing that and then going, right, well, now I'm going to attack you back and do this thing. And actually getting to the point where I'd love it if they start to have more empathy in the fact that yeah. having conversations with people that start off very reasonable and very back and forth. But then if you keep screwing people over, they just go, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like in the same way, I think that's what's... Well, yeah. I'd love to see more of that in games of actually having relationships so it's not just about how you are now but about actually like that escalation of being like this is probably a mistake but just do this then through to like yeah after you've betrayed someone once but then you can reparate it but especially in games it often allows you to think of like having that thing of being like hey we're at war now we're friends yeah. now we're at war now we're friends I'd love it if you could do it twice and then next time you go can we be friends they just go do you really think I'd have a fall for something like that ever again? And just, just, I'd like to see yeah. more of that. And well, I think it's something that's an oversight. When you were talking, I was just wondering whether maybe a shorthand for it would be to have an AI that was capable of developing grudges. Yeah. Even if it wasn't capable of doing all of the other things, if you screw it over too many times, you just activate like grudge mode, like Paul yeah. does in games. Absolutely. That's the thing. And that, that's, that, uh, that's what I mean, is that something that's often missing is, is that AI often just behaves too pragmatically sometimes. Mm. And I'd love to see actually a bit more humanity added in the form of an AI, which would be pragmatic to begin with. Yeah. Then we'll actually start to become a bit like, naturally, you keep screwing me over. I'm going to take this thing yeah. that you've got. <laughs> and then getting to the point where actually you piss them off so much that they just don't care anymore and they are just hell-bent on messing <laughs> with you just because you fuck with them and you've got against what you said to do and just being vindictive. And yeah. Because they're really always like... Oh, yeah, but maybe if you could just pick from personalities as well, like maybe that would be an interesting way to, yeah. to sort of fiddle with this. I have no answers. I know, there are no answers. <laughs> it's just something I was thinking about and thinking about how like... Um, I don't know how you really can just drive people to rage of being like, I'm going to crush you and, yeah. and being like, well, no, let's be reasonable. And then them, rather than doing that thing of like, well, doing what people do in actual yeah. board games of being like, they go, all right, yeah, sure. And they agree to the trade. They take all your money and then they crush you anyway. And you go, well, why did you crush me? It's like my sister in Monopoly, I'm telling you. All yeah. the lies. All the lies. So many lies. That's what I find weird about, about... I mean, I understand it has to be a reliable system, but I find it interesting that in a video game, if you come to an agreement yeah. and say, where well, we're going to be allies, I'm going to give you all this money, then we're going to be allies. 
if you seal that deal, that deal is sealed. It exists. They're not going to screw you over immediately. However, if it was somebody you'd screwed over five or six times, like already, they take your money and then they kill you. Yeah, it would be interesting, like, if it learned at least or responded to the behaviours that you were exhibiting. Because, like, that's interesting because I don't really play Forex, so I hadn't really thought about that for such a long time. And so my real main experience at the moment with AI is when I'm just practising stuff in MOBAs. And with that, it's me like working out what the bots want at any given time because yeah. yeah. you have to work around them because they won't work around you for the most part. Yeah, like, you learn what their, they're doing. Yeah, you learn their basic sort of things like how to move them from lane to lane or to get them to push or, you know, how to give basic instructions. But then at a certain point, they do what they do, what they've been programmed to do from that point of the game onwards. And all it, you yeah. can do is go with it, quit out or fight it really hard for no... Uh, apparent gain and yeah so, yeah like that's where i am with ai at the moment yeah it's, it's just like oh okay I know. well i guess i'm going to behave like a bot now because yeah. that's what i need to do and i guess maybe that's why it is the way it is maybe it's not a case of me saying this and being like everything should be better maybe it's just a case of have tried better things and actually the way mm. it works best is having simple understandable maybe it's things teaching me empathy empathy for yeah. bots <laughs> be like these guys are I'm always like, i understand what good. they're coming from at this point i'm just like you want to push that's great okay let's push let's just push. yeah i know what you it's mean fine. actually i've played with bots and you just go well, i'm just gonna actually if you just do what they're doing it's way more effective you i know just right let them, you're like okay it's time to do this i'm gonna follow you Maybe it is I who is <laughs> learning the lesson. But I, I just find it interesting how actually sometimes there's this, this tendency to have like, you know, in, in those sorts of games, you have like the super aggressive people who will always yeah. want war, the super peaceful people who will always want trade and peace. Oh, and, I know, really. and I don't know, I think often you get these like messages that are quite terse and quite like flowery and they they've, they put a lot of concentration in these games into making it so that the races or the characters feel like, like different, yeah. um, but maybe actually less writing but better writing and more variants would go a long way to just be able to get that feeling because it does seem like in games when you have to deal with characters in political ways, they are either, they love you, they like you, they're not bothered or they don't like you very much or they hate you. Maybe it's an audience thing though as well because like... Maybe. You and I would probably settle, I hope I'm not just assuming, but we'd probably settle for a jankier AI that felt more like real or felt like it was doing something interesting to us or to the the experience of playing the game but I'm guessing that a lot of like particularly historical focused strategy like there's an element of having an audience that really appreciate getting the tone of it right historically rather than building an AI that's sort of not attached to a historical figure in some way if you see what I mean yeah no I get that that does the the, in air quotes right thing at the right time yeah no I get that yeah it's I think it's also just it's a big challenge like we we, we've still struggled to work out ways to make uh, characters feel human in a way which a it works and isn't creepy and b fits mechanically with what the game is and how it works yeah for sure um, but I just love to have more vindictiveness I just, <laughs> I'd actually love to have because I've had that in board games and I think that's something I've learned from board games is the point where you try and you, you hold out the olive branch for the uh, sixth time was subterfuge not enough for you well no it's more the, it's different with board games you play it for an hour but it's this thing of I love I love it when you hold out the olive branch and the other player just goes fuck you like, even though it makes sense for them to have peace I've done that so many like, times in Cosmic I'm Encounter I'm kill you precisely precisely and I love that and, I and actually, to Brendan every single time since he dicked me over in City of Horror yeah it's like I don't trust you that I was a year ago I, I don't trust you so much more respect if it was just the AI just went fuck off you just like yeah fair enough you shouldn't trust me you'd be stupid if you did Um, but yeah Uh, finally actually I will mention I had a quick go the other day on uh, actually today uh, on uh, a uh, kind of uh, board game which is going on Kickstarter tomorrow when this is podcast it's kind of a board game thing Fabulous Beasts I have played a little bit of that they were at Rezd I believe okay yeah because we saw it the first time when we were at GDC and we talked about it on this podcast which is why I mentioned it again on the podcast Mm. and described it as being almost like uh, a game you might play in, uh, see being played in Star Trek or Star Wars, of it being like a kind of... Piling up a zoo on a plate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's more the fact that you look at it and go, what the fuck is that? And in, in films and TV, it doesn't need to explain what it is because it just can have it as a visual aid and then go, mm. well, yeah, obviously it was just a weird future game, wasn't it? <laughs> Whereas this does actually have rules. Um, they've reworked a bunch of stuff since I initially saw it. They've actually made it um, primarily now, rather than the competitive game, an actual 
collaborative game where you're actually working together to try and get oh. a high score, which Ooh. is kind of lovely. Um, it needs a little bit more in terms of uh, like uh, sort of a sense of progress in terms of like it needs some systems around that, whether it's uh, mm. it's like every time you get creatures, it, it adds into a bestiary or whether it's having a score that builds up over games or something. But so, they're working on that Because you stuff. pile up the animals on like this special disc, yes. don't you? And like... On the uh, tablet, it tells you what animal to put on, does it? Or yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, or I don't know if it's changed. Yeah, since. it's changed quite a bit, but what they've done now is they've basically made it so these little animals are geometric object, They're colourful beautiful shapes. beautiful kind of colourful polygonal things, yeah. aren't they? Like, yeah. lovely to hold. They're really lovely. Um, and that's the thing, it's a really lovely physical thing. They go on this weird kind of pressure plate thing, but the way it works is it's got little, like, uh, I think it's NFC or something like that it's a little uh, chip in them oh yeah uh, which means basically before you put something on you put it on a little thing to scan it to kind of like you put it near a thing so it verifies what it is I'm putting a shark on alright and then he goes okay you're putting a shark on then you balance it on and then but they're all such weird shapes that you end up with this weird colourful tower of mishmash stuff and it has strange modifiers like that you put on a thing and then it gives you more points but then you have to do something on the iPad whilst you're doing it with the other hand which has some fun kind of stupid like Basically, you realise it's quite hard trying to balance something on tower with yeah. one hand. Uh, there's a bunch of different things going on. Um, it's interesting. Uh, when I first saw it, it was just this mad concept item. <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it before, and it really piqued my interest. Uh, they've been working on it more. They've they've ironed out some stuff. They've clearly, like, you know, they've, they've only recently in September, I think, taken the decision to make it uh, primarily kind of a, a kind of co-op fun oh, party okay, slash family yeah. thing. Huh. So it's like collaborative Jenga with animals and fish. Yeah. And as you say, when you put things on it, then it'll go, oh, well, that was... That was a shark, so there's a shark on the iPad now. And then it'll have this thing of being like, you can then merge the animals together. So you can be like, let's combine the shark with the eagle. And you might get a flying shark or you might get a swimming eagle shark thing. And... And then you get more points. That sounds because like of it. something you'd find in Ark. <laughs> yeah, but it has a strange element of being like you have to like merge the animals to get more points. But then it has this weird thing of so you've got like combos, li- you literal. Have, you combos. have literal combos, but then what happens is the shark and the eagle, but they still exist. There's less of them now. But then you have this weird thing of like to keep the ecosystem up, you need to keep all of the animals happy, which means you have these modifier weird shapes that you put on to keep different animals happy so it's like okay. kind of there's kind of an element of strategy so well like being resources like, yeah so it's like okay. a physical strategy game huh. in a weird way now of being like a physical collaborative strategy game of you having to be like well we need to make the sharks happy because otherwise they're going to die out it's a weird kind of alternate reality in which the fabulousness rating of an animal <laughs> determines both the point value and whether or not it's still alive it's Amazing. like if, if an animal stops being it gets to a point where like if an animal gets like one it means like it's on the verge of extinction just oh, wow. because it's jealous of other animals being more fabulous oh my goodness it's like the history of life on earth reimagined by <laughs> sex in the city it's like oh I can't live anymore the sharks are way it's too fabulous it's like school you know just like I will die of jealousy from like <laughs> yeah it is and it's kind of bizarre and I, I was talking to the designers today and it was kind of like this weird thing of because I was familiar with the game and I knew how it worked and I just started playing it straight away yeah. I was almost like ah oh, this needs something a bit more to it like these like some modes it needs some reason to keep playing mm. again and again and doing different things maybe you're trying to achieve different things yeah uh, but that's only because really I kind of I forgot that really a big challenge of it is it's such a strange and alien game to play in many regards mm. that initially having something very simple is very important Imagine but anyway you're um, trying to set up different biomes with it or something precisely I think, cool. I think there's a real scope for just having like some sort of like because it is kind of half on the iPad and half on this physical mm. tower with these fun colourful things of yeah. either having some sort of meta game outside of it whereby like every time you make a creature it adds it to this ecosystem and then every time you make that creature again it makes more of an ecosystem even if it's just when you boot up the app it has a little world of creatures that you can like level up somehow I mean this is all just me having ideas rather than what they're doing but they do have plans and basically what they've got physically is a very uh, fascinating and quirky uh, colourful tabletop kind of electronic game which uh, they're they're putting on Kickstarter with the hope of 
Oh, awesome. Of having stretch girls to uh, do more interesting things with it digitally or whatever. So I, I actually don't know the details of the I'll take starter. a proper look, actually, because like, I remember it really did stick out to me at res, but I just couldn't really justify spending time on it because I was there for RPS and it was like, is this a PC game thing? No, it isn't. So no. uh, let me just touch the animals for a moment and then now I leave. That sounded a lot worse than it was supposed <laughs> to. Um, although it actually came up in... Oh, it came up the other day for like the weirdest reason. I was tweeting, uh, trying to get a government petition going to bring back pyramids. Do you remember them? Right, yeah. Like they were just like these chocolate pyramids that had mint fondant in them that Terry's used to make before they doubled down on the chocolate orange industry. Um, so I was tweeting about that. And then somebody tweeted at me to just say, Oh, maybe you could use the same like technology that they're making fabulous beasts with to like bring these back into production. And I'm just like, you have my full attention right now. Like, Tagging chocolate mint to make a giant <laughs> chocolate mint pyramid. So basically, that hasn't happened yet. But I'm I'm holding out. It's going to happen sooner yeah, or later, so. isn't it? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, as I say, I don't really know the details, but uh, Fabulous Beast is very much at the, at the least worth a look. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think I'll put, I'll put a link uh, on the website. Uh, if you go to coolghost.net, when you look at Daft Souls feed, there'll be a link to what the website is, so you can go and look at that stuff. It's interesting, and actually the funny thing is, is it's like as a little game, it's a, it's a wonderfully colourful and strange little party piece or if you're you know a family with young kids i'm sure mm. they've got a lot of enjoyment out of it as a game outside of that as a game with like a lot of replay value and a lot of like you know d- detail it's not quite there but what's really interesting about it is the fact that really the work the work that needs to be done on that side is is really just within the app it's just really within yeah. uh, working out ways of using this framework to have fun and i think that what they're trying to do you could push that out like yeah. once you'd figured it out like exactly. if someone's got the thing you can change the game entirely exactly. push out an update for the app and just be like right well and that's those it. base pieces and do this instead. And that's why I think it's worth a look because it's one of those funny things of actually really like once you've got the once you've got the pieces and once you've got the hardware and once you've got the app like I think think it could develop a meta or an eSport. You should be like, look, I like patch 2.5, mate. Like, this this 2.6 business is not doing it for me. Like, the elephants are OP. Like, I'm not happy. I've got no idea. (laughs) But I think what's really nice about it is because they can push out updates via this app, I think really what they're they're pushing to do is is try and get some some interest in it via Kickstarter, which they can then use uh, the money and the time to actually then, like, work Mm. on updates for the app and updates for things to make it more interesting and make it more varied and actually add to it. But... uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing to have and it's the sort of thing yeah. actually if you're into this sort of thing having it as a coffee table piece to pop out every now and then and, and, and surprise people and make people go what the fuck oh. is this is interesting itself but uh, yeah it's interesting I think if it, if it was a board game if it was like a finished piece I'd be yeah. a bit more reticent maybe slightly because I'm like it's like a lovely thing to have but the fact that it isn't fixed because it's like you know once the physical prototypes are fixed yeah. that's only really one half of the picture I think I'm going to go and read the Kickstarter and remind myself how much of this is in my head and how much of it is yeah. the thing that they're actually making yeah and as I say I, I don't know what they're making I don't know what they're promising so I have to have a look at that but yeah. it's, it's at the very least it's absolutely fascinating so it's well worth a look yeah Anyway, I think we'll probably wrap it up there this time with Dark Souls. We won't do uh, any questions this week because uh, I want to go and make some dinner. And, uh, yeah, precisely. I'm well, I would say actually, yeah. Yeah, we've gone off peace a lot this time, so you know, I'm just going to help you make some leeks and some cool jets. Very lovely. Um, I was going to say earlier, you were talking a bit about Holby City, and I realised that that's I not. Was. If you want to read about Holby City in Pip's thoughts on Holby <laughs> oh, City, God. you can read about that on Rock Paper Shotgun. You can. They're finally letting me like achieve my life's dream. How do people go to do that? Um, it's a thing called the Saturday Supplement, which is uh, where we now write a little bit about uh, pop culture stuff or things that are just happening outside games that we're super interested in or just watch a lot of. <laughs> and so I'm channeling, you know, years of watching Holby and Casualty into recaps so that I can justify watching those and make it uh, a work. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link, a link to that in uh, in the podcast description on Four Ghosts as well. So, you know, easy. So it's been a strange podcast. We spent a lot of time talking about daytime TV. I think it's been good. Uh, I think we've, I've had a we've, lot of fun. We've added value. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be some people confused, but you know, it's just the way of the world. Um, They can check it and it'll be called Darth Souls. They'll know they're in the right place. I know, right? We'll get to games eventually. Anyway, uh, join us next week when we'll be uh, continuing our tax return special with uh, more chat about Midsummer Murders. (laughs) Bye. Bye!